on this week's episode of Marketing O'Clock. Twitter addresses the biggest complaints of iOS and Android users. We pull zero punches on zero click searches. Something's cooking at the New York Times, but unfortunately not in their own kitchen. We find out who Mark calls little creeps. <laughs> a huge plus to this new streaming service is that you can buy a stranger $90 of Chicken McNuggets. And we cover some breaking wind, internet culture news, and really the whole episode was an absolute gas. Oh, on today's show. Marketing O'Clock is your weekly dose of digital marketing news, a proud part of the Search Engine Journal Podcast Network. We record every week from the Cypress North Studios, located in beautiful Buffalo, New York. Tune in to our critically acclaimed Famous Friday News Show for insights, updates, rants, and much more as we cover the full gamut of digital marketing for you. If you want to follow along, just check out our show notes or head over to marketingoclock.com for all of the links from today's articles. And please subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. Hey there, I'm Greg Finn. I'm Mark Saltarelli. And I'm Jess Bud. And it is officially Marketing O'Clock. Here on March 26th, 2021. Remember, you can catch our famous Friday news show on YouTube or your favorite podcast player each and every Friday morning. All your digital marketing news from the week. Powered by the digital marketing community. And if you want to join the conversation, just hit us up. We are at Marketing O'Clock everywhere. And some quick housekeeping from last week. We had that one cool tool talk about the API export. And just for clarification, they can still only export 1,000 um, at a time. So if it did seem like it was unlimited, it is not. And if it came off that way, just a quick item. And then some other housekeeping as well. Um, apologies for that profanity-ridden... Outburst by Caleb. <laughs> and, and we kid, we kid, Caleb didn't say anything bad, but we bleeped it because we're editing it. And Caleb, you had given like all the spoilers for WandaVision, and then you're like, Major spoiler. And yeah. I don't mean to spoil it. No, I know. I said I wasn't going to spoil it and immediately gave like the final premise of the show away. So, wow. so that was really it. We were just, we would never do that to you all, the wonderful listeners. And I think the bleep was really effective because I haven't watched <laughs> WandaVision yet and I forgot what Caleb said. Yeah, so, we'll never know. So it, it worked. It it's like gone. completely wiped my mind like Men in Black style. Yeah, let's go. Yeah, and they probably got more watchers now to know what what happened underneath all those bleeps. So that's, that's actually what it was too. So this is actually a viral ad campaign for Vision. Brilliant. All right, what's been up this past week, y'all? The temperature has been up. I had such a great weekend being outdoors. Spring has sprung. I was having some lovely Genesee ruby red Kolsch, had a little mm. fire outside, got to see some friends now that we can gather outside again. And I spent all day Sunday playing with my neighbor's new dog, um, the cuteness Marie. Um, <laughs> she is a special little angel who loves to bite. It oh. was lovely is that her name the cuteness marie the so her name thing? is the cuteness um it's after the dog from the hit movie master of disguise the dog's name is the cuteness you're really in the really movie. really uh loose with the term hit there huh master of disguise is a turtly enough for the turtle club right iconic line thank you delta dentals the only reason i even know what that is is because she asks for a dental package when she works for him 
Do you know what we're talking about, Greg? No idea. You're Caleb, not turning your thoughts. Oh, Do you know what we're talking about here? I have no idea. Okay. You're probably just going to want to bleep all that out, though, because that was a lot of spoilers. Yes. <laughs> right. 15-year-old film. Jess, how about you? Um, we, and by we, I mean my son Jack has discovered that he can answer yes or no questions with his opinion. So he was being real cute at the beginning of the weekend. We'd be like, did you have fun today? And he'd be like, Yeah. But then now it turned into this morning. I'm like, okay, let's put on your pants. No! So it's like, the kid's got opinions. They, he doesn't want to mm-hmm. wear pants. I know it's warm out, but I just, I remember the days where I could just like put pants on him and he had no opinion and things are well, changing rapidly. I, I like him and I like his answers. And I think we need to get him on trivia here. He'd be a perfect fit. <laughs> well, yeah. And I think maybe he's saying no because you haven't gotten him some stylish convertible pants. You're right. That's on me. <laughs> maybe Greg can hook me up. What's up, Greg? Well, with me, I got a little update on this vacation of mine coming up here and i think it's telling again i've completely checked out as i do on vacations and i just say yes go for it (laughs) and so the newest thing is we watch a show on netflix called blown away and the kids watch it and it's about glass and it's 2000 degree molten glass and uh you know in a hot shop and so my wife signed us up for glass blowing class with six-year-olds so I'm like, all right, just uh, whatever. Just get two so that I can keep them away from the fire. And, and, and I found out, she's like, oh, I, I got four. So they're going to be doing their own blown glass. So After attending a NASCAR race. No, this is... <laughs> <laughs> but it's an RIP to my kids, but it'll be a fun update coming soon here. All right. And released just yesterday is a new episode of the agency scoop it's our podcast by cypress north our agency here featuring the one and only jill fetcher and this week she's got a special guest from hubspot pat donovan from hubspot joins jill to talk about crms hubspot and some of the different agency partnerships that are out there it's a fantastic listen all right and on to this week's main news oh boy (laughs) we've got a doozy of a first topic here and i don't know if you all saw this but when i saw it i my heart just sank it was some data from spark toro and Rand fishkin put out a post called in 2020 two-thirds of google searches ended without a click and i'm going to go into a little bit of what this said he said in august of 2019 i published research from a now defunct clickstream data provider jump shot showing that 50.33 of all google searches this percentage ended without a click to any web property for the results. Today, thanks to new data from Similar Web, I've got substantive update to that analysis. From January to December 2020, 64.82% of searches on Google, desktop and mobile combined, ended in the search results without clicking to another web property. That number is likely undercounting some mobile and nearly all voice searches, and thus it's probable that more than two-thirds of all Google searches are what I've been calling zero-click searches. And a zero-click search doesn't, according to, to Rand, doesn't mean zero-click. So let me just get every get everything here so I'm, I'm correct on this. But he says, some folks have pointed out that zero-click is slightly misleading terminology as a search ending with a click within the Google SERP itself. For example, clicking on an animal sound, clicking onto different links, clicking on anything that gives you to, to different results or get you more information um, would be called a zero click result if you don't go off to a different wire property. Does that make sense? Yeah. Mm. So anything that keeps you in the SERPs, even if you click. Correct. So that's all zero click in, in, under this. 
Um, and then again, he took the liberty to say it's two thirds when it was about 64%. So this all seems fine, but the fact that he compared it to previous data from a completely different provider. And then you just, when, when you're looking at something from a factual standpoint and you read this part and you hear this part, um, and I'll go through it here quick because he said a comparison warning. This data isn't apples to apples with what I published in 2019. That's because similar web's panel of clickstream data is different than JumpShot's. For one, the data here is worldwide versus my prior analysis on JumpShot's US only panel. And similar web is combining both mobile and desktop devices, including Apple iOS devices, which JumpShot didn't have cover coverage for. And here's the part that I took umbrage with. Nonetheless, it seems probable that if the previous panel were still available, it would show a similar trend of increasing click cannibalization by Google. How would you know that? Yeah, why? Yeah, it sounds like there was like an idea that they wanted to get to <laughs> and then worked backwards from there rather than starting with Dana. <laughs> it's like, I'm just going to prove my point. <laughs> how could anybody read past this sentence? Oh well, seems gosh. probable. Like It seems right probable you can like, say anything. that if the panel was available, yeah. it would show a similar trend. And I see that and I'm out. I'm out. Yeah. I, I, I understand everything is in there. I'm out. Oh, I, you lost me way before there. Oh, oh. The, the I lost apples, myself. Apples to apples? Like, if we're not comparing apples to apples, we shouldn't be comparing this if we're trying to make conclusions based off of it. Yes. yes. And then to the point about you're trying to make this fit a narrative, there is only a narrative with this article. And Rand is Rand. Love him or hate him. Uh, there is a complete narrative with this that it's evil, right? The, these non-click searches. The, the truth of the matter is Google is so much more different than anything else. Do you think like anybody typing in a stock ticker symbol is like looking to go to a website? Yeah. Nobody, nobody is. Or a definition. Right. Also, there's it. so many things that are a zero click search. Like, oh, I realize I didn't phrase my search properly. I'm going to research that. that I don't use a calculator anymore. Yeah, I wonder if that going I do yeah. math in my browser. Yeah. But this is also including like, if you were like in the SERPs and then click over and be like, oh, I actually wanted to go to videos. Oh, actually, maybe I'll go to YouTube now. Like it's like- Yeah, if you play the YouTube in the SERP, it wouldn't count as a click. It would be a yeah. zero click search. It's just like- If you look at a score, if you look at, you know, again, and and when if a you holiday is. translate words, like right. it, it, you yep. all, those are all zero click searches, but mm -hmm. it's- they should be. There, there's not really, there's not a search intent, right? Yeah. right? So it's like that is not addressed in this whatsoever. And the numbers are obviously staggering, but that's not real. And, and I had mm -hmm. people reach out immediately after this. I'm like, did you see this? I'm like, oh my God, I didn't. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry for everybody. <laughs> um, but the data goes to show that on desktop, the zero click searches were 46.48%. The organic uh, click-through rate was 50.75% and then paid was 2.78. I saw this again. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so misleading from the way that it actually is. Like this data mm -hmm. is one of these weird things where it's technically correct, probably. Yeah. It's technically probably correct, but the way it's framed is, is misleading-ish. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Yeah. And we're like the first to throw Google under the bus and it's, we're not here. Right. And then looking at the mobile, the zero click searches go up to 77.22%. Um, and organic goes down to 21.99%. And paid goes to 0.79%. And then I, from anybody on the paid side of things, you look at this and you're like, nobody clicks that. And it's like, this is not That's, real data. No. Like, it's just not. 
it, it is not it does not take search intent into it. So while it yeah. is correct in a way, it is it's just framed so it's strange. Numbers. And so then <laughs> of course it turned into a huge hullabaloo on Twitter where mm-hmm. uh, at Glenn Gabe, friend of the show, and we always have Glenn's back here because he's always right. He said <laughs> <laughs> I hope you believe this topic is nuanced and needs context. I think it's impossible to look at top level number like that with something as complex as search and say definitively that X percent of searches are zero click. Again, tons of searches for quick info with no intention of clicking. And it got in a huge back and forth. And Rand went on to say there are searches of all kinds, no filter. I don't know if they're able to break it down further, but you probably could make a data purchase request. Could be pricey though. And then Glenn asked for a breakdown at some point and it just got onto more and more and more. Um, and then I think the community did a good job making it clear as to what's happening here. So um, Topher Cohan uh, at Topher ATL on Twitter said, bad data is bad data, which is IMO irresponsible ran to publish this post. It was clickbait. If this is an academic paper, it would have never been published. And if it was, it would have been discredited by peer review. As an industry, we just need to do better. All right. And then once this was released, Barry Schwartz, power listener of the show, put out a post over on Search Engine Roundtable. And he refuted some of that. And a few things Barry stated was that now a lot of folks in the industry are now asking for Rand to break down the data. What percentage of data were queries for weather, sports scores, math questions, time, what is today's date, definitions definitions or spellings, or fact-based questions like how old is Obama? So Barry put the case out there, and then Danny Sullivan came in from the top ropes over at the Google blog, and he did what Danny does. And I would say that if Danny were at search engine land or if Danny were at Google, having worked with him for eight years, it would be the same article. Danny's mm-hmm. a very fair person, and this is what he would have written if it came out and he was covering it as a journalist. And he talks about the fact that Google sends more traffic to the open web every year, which to me is a stupid title. <laughs> and it's, like, it's when, you know, whoever it is, Tim Apple or Steve Jobs comes out and has the newest iPhone and is like, it's the best iPhone ever. Yeah, you've had a year. I would hope it's so. <laughs> Buy this. It's worse than what you have. search. Um, but Danny went through a few of the main points he had is on average, local search results drive in more than 4 billion connections for business every month. This includes four more than 2 billion visits to websites, as well as connections like phone calls, directions, ordering food, and making reservations. Additionally, Google search connects people with more than 120 million businesses that don't have a website and that the, on average, it used to be 10 blue links that Google has on average is now 26 links shown. So it had some compelling stats, but didn't break down any of the percentages. So mm-hmm. overall it was a whole big thing and it uh, was compounded by the fact that, um, Geraldine at everywhereist on Twitter had a statement saying, and that's uh, Rand's wife. The fact that you responding to Danny, literally one of the big largest companies in the world, felt the need to write a blog post to refute my husband's allegations, show how on the mark he was, you absolute monopolistic hacks, and followed up by saying, also, Danny, if you're reading this, you can eat my farts. And that's it for the story. Cool. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Jess, what's on the menu next for you? Oh, God. Actually, it's food related, so that's perfect. So next up here in the main news from Neiman Lab, the New York Times is so done with its 77,000 member Facebook cooking group. What happens now? 
That's the headline. And I just have to start by actually reading from the article because Laura Hazard Owen, at Laura Hazard Owen, who wrote this on Twitter, she has a bit of a sense of humor and I love it. So the article starts with, in quotes, I blame people who fight over brands of mayonnaise, end quote. Oh, no. <laughs> Do, it, there are that puts more, a picture in my hat. Yeah, there are there are more quotes there. There's a bunch of random quotes. Check out the article if you. There's want to something read. people like hilarious. other than than Miracle Whip. Yeah, what's the other one? Mayonnaise, <laughs> mayonnaise brand mayonnaise. Craft, I don't know. You can actually, have craft brand mayonnaise or craft brand Miracle Whip. Yeah, Miracle Whip is craft, right? Miracle yeah. Whip is from craft. I don't know, but it's not mayonnaise, right? That's what. We should join this Facebook group because this is how on topic apparently they are. And that's the whole problem, which we will get to. So (laughs) Laura goes on to say, members are speculating. Why would the New York Times want to abandon its 77,000 member cooking Facebook group? The one whose demise I surely ensured by reporting upon its launch two years ago that it was a happy corner of the Internet. A place where, as one time social media editor put it at the time, everyone's so nice to each other and so encouraging. It feels like one long episode of the great British baking show, 24 hours a day. A lot can change in two years. (laughs) End quote. So some things, right? People had really good vibes about this Facebook group at the time and things have changed. And according to a Facebook post from the New York Times Cooking, what changed is basically that the interest in the group is about much more than recipes or the New York Times, to which I say, like, you're on Facebook. What do you think is going to happen? <laughs> like, look how off topic we get here in two seconds. And then you're going to give people the power of the Internet. I don't know. Grab the link from our newsletter because you should read New York Times entire post where they talk about this. And they did decline to comment on it further, saying that the post should just stand by itself. So do read it. But one other thing that they said was that they were looking for volunteers to take over moderating this thing, which I think is really cute. And if New York Times doesn't want that job, I don't know who else does. But columnist Ben Smith at Ben YT on Twitter did tweet some other insights. And he said, you know, a Times employee moderating comments for Facebook rather than working for the Times doesn't really make sense. I'm paraphrasing there. And then he also said that there was no real incident that led to this. Just and now I'll quote him simply. Oh, there was an incident that led to this. You think? Uh, yeah. I mean, well, he said simply a realization that. Platform selection. Get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> you. OK, so you know what? Never mind. We need to go into this because that's where I was going to go is that loyal listeners know that Greg Finn has a very strong opinion on exactly this subject. So before we talk about everyone posting pictures of dogs next to their souffle, which was what Ben said, that this great realization was like, we've talked about this. If you're not driving traffic to New York Times, you're driving traffic to Facebook or staying on Facebook. Certainly nobody's mm-hmm. checking out your recipes, especially somebody like a newspaper who's yeah. maybe got paywalled content. So mm-hmm. I heard discuss. that two thirds of Facebook posts, um, the clicks don't leave the SERPs. <laughs> Mark, <laughs> do not take his path. <laughs> but- <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. We need to cut that because it's not a SERP. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just, Greg, you can rant about this I mean, if you want, but you always Facebook? say, why no, would you yeah, yeah. build on someone else's I, real I, estate? I wrote a post on Cypress North, yeah. February 28, 2017, why you shouldn't use Facebook groups to build a community. And in the post itself, it said, it's limitations and lack of scalability. You can't expand offering. This is from me. So I'm reading me here. 
You can expand offerings, build new features, and fully support your audience's needs with groups. You get what Zuck gives. Traditional forms can be scalable to include anything from signatures to leaderboards, badges to offers, even API calls for expansion and integration, etc. You have the ability to tweak your offering, offerings and messaging to what the community demands, not with Facebook. Why on earth would you, the New York Times, use a Facebook group? And you know what? They didn't read your article because if this is only two years old and you wrote that in 2017... They need to get with the time. The only positive of a Facebook group is how easy the audience is to get there. If you've mm-hmm. got a school message board, great. great. If you're the New York Times, you made a huge error. And I tried to warn you, and I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're just for fun little meme sharing, in my yeah. opinion. But um, I did hear a rumor that they're going to start a new um, New York Times is starting a clubhouse chat to talk about mayonnaise in place of this. <laughs> and, and from the article, I also mean, said... A good example of owning your community is Bigger Pockets. They have a customized forum that has a plethora of categories, threads, notifications, and systems that serve their community beautifully. They aren't hamstrung by technologies. If they want a feature, they add it on. The experience that members have couldn't be more different than Facebook. It's poignant. You are wise beyond your years, Greg. I just, I don't know what the Times was thinking. It just... Facebook groups sound like something that Shep loves to talk about with Taylor Swift. It's for people. <laughs> it doesn't make sense for businesses, especially somebody like the New York Times that has their own money to build their own stuff. They're behind mm-hmm. the times. You stole my joke, are you Mark? <laughs> well, to keep it on the topic of food, I'm going to feed a fed horse, as PETA would say. Do they say that? Mm-hmm. It's the appropriate replacement for beat a dead horse oh, that's animal friendly. I like that. I don't know if I do, but I just said it. A little faux gras to me. Okay, that's where my mind went, but I didn't want to say it. Mm, yeah, it's re- they're really not better replacements. But that's pet. another story. You pet a fed horse. Yeah, give it a bath. Give it a, or give it a, a horse bath. Or pet a pet horse. <laughs> <laughs> give a horse bath to a fed horse. That rolls and I don't even tongue. know why I'm talking about horses when this story is about birds. Um... <laughs> From Matt Southern on Search Engine Journal, at Matt G. Southern on Twitter, um, this article had a take. And he said, and I quote, Twitter is working on ways to address several of the most widespread complaints from users. End quote. What are the complaints being addressed? Um, is it editing tweets? Can't be. It's not That's widespread the horse. <laughs> <laughs> How images are being cropped and the extent to which photos and videos are being compressed upon upload. Those are the biggest complaints. Um, so there are three t- tasks to address these complaints that are not the biggest complaints. <laughs> um, the first is larger images in the Twitter timeline. So with this test, which is currently live on both iOS and Android to a test group, users can actually see what their tweet will look like in the Twitter composer. So it will look exactly like it will in the timeline when you're actually typing your tweet out and attaching said image. And you will actually see full size images in the timeline. So you won't have to click and expand to see the image. when this rolls out to desktop, this will be great for when I'm taking screenshots to put up on the YouTube channel. 
The next test is higher resolution photo upload. This one is also on iOS and Android to a select group. And tweeters will now be able to upload photos up to 4K resolution rather than the current five megabyte limit. Um, and if you're part of this test, you can head over to your settings in the data usage section and turn this on. The last test is YouTube videos in the Twitter timeline. Um, currently, um, video is only 720p, and you can't actually play YouTube videos in the timeline, which is something I forget every time before I tweet a YouTube link. I'm like, oh, this will be fun to share out, and then it's just a link, and I'm like, oh, cool. Um, and while Twitter is not actually increasing that 720p file size limit, they are working on an integration to play YouTube videos in the timeline. And that integration would therefore support files that are larger than 720p. Um, this test is a little bit different where they're not rolling it out to Android users. It's only to a group of iOS users. So great for all you video and photo people out there sharing multimedia on Twitter. That's not what any of the people, I'm sure it's nice to have, but not what the people were calling for. Yeah, it's definitely an improvement to the platform. Sure. I don't know if it's the biggest complaint. I mean, if this is your biggest complaint, like let us know at call.marketingclock.com. <laughs> or text your local radio station. <laughs> <laughs> Now it's time for this week's Take of the Week. This is a hashtag fire digital marketing take with extra spice served up for you. We simply deliver the take for your consumption. We give no opinions we don't influence. You make the call. This week's Take of the Week comes from the queen of spice herself, Pamela Lund, at Pamela underscore Lund on Twitter. And she says, quote, I'm your account manager here at Google. I have a few important observations for this account that needs to be cascaded to you. Could you please let me know with your feasible time to call you? As a word for word. And then here comes Pamela, and that's end quote. Nope. <laughs> Hashtag BBC chat. Somebody found a thesaurus. Yeah. Cascaded is lovely. I almost fell for it. It's like me writing plethora on that last that blog post of mine. <laughs> Shift F7, <laughs> and now it's time for this week's I See Why Am I. This is something you just might not have seen. Maybe something you overlooked. But you shouldn't have I See Why Am I people. From Mike Ryan at Mike Ryan Retail. Many struggle with competition from Amazon and at Google Ads. As SMX Moonshin last week, I proposed a framework for evaluating Amazon or any competitor and shared data to prove that the, this giant definitely has weak spots. And the first one that he points out I thought was fantastic and like a super easy win for anyone doing paid search with e-commerce and that Amazon um, is really focusing on like the short, broad keywords. So if you're going after longer tail, that's an easy way you can win and get more relevant traffic and also not have to battle Amazon those specific keywords. So he has a couple different tips there. Go check out that tweet. Thank you, Mike. Now it's time for this week's lightning round. Pew, pew. At this point in the show, we split up our content into three parts, paid, organic, and social. 
First up in the paid news this week, we had a very special roundtable on privacy and digital advertising with some very good friends of the show and regulars in hashtag PPC chat like Dwayne Brown, Amalia Fowler, best friend of the show 2021 or 2020. Um, wow. Intention for 2021. Foreshadowing. <laughs> Andrea Cruz. I don't know about that. Mm-hmm. Julie Bacini and Kirk Williams, they met to talk about some upcoming privacy changes on Facebook and Google, Flock, whether or not the golden age of digital marketing has ended. Some really awesome coverage there. I don't think it's ended. We're living the golden age. We're all golden here. Um, so go over to bit.ly slash PPC privacy to go check out that awesome roundtable. And speaking of privacy um by way of carolyn Leiden at search engine land um flocks actually like running some issues like i was thinking that this was going great i was actually really impressed with what google has been doing and like how they've been flying in with flock but the gdpr just swooped in like a flock of seagulls and dropped a bomb on flock and by bomb i don't mean an actual bomb so the glitter bomb. <laughs> Bird poop. Oh. Yes, Let's thank just make you, the Jess. joke. You're welcome. <laughs> um, Google will actually not be able to test Flock in Europe in Q2 because, and I quote, processing personal data to generate the cohort assignment without the proper consent could also be a violation, end quote. So Google still has some work to do before they can test Flock in Europe. It's not as privacy-centric as we might have thought just because of some consent issues. So hope all of their eggs aren't in one basket. And rounding out the paid news this week, in the wake of Google's annual ad safety report we covered last week um, from Barry Schwartz at Rusty Burke on Twitter, Microsoft Bing removed 1.6 billion ads and suspended 300,000 advertisers and removed 270,000 sites. And it was in five different areas. Um, and this was in 2020, um, coping with the pandemic, political advertising, third-party government services, tech support scams and phishing attacks, um, and advertiser safety. The other really interesting thing that Barry pointed out was that out of 50,000 complaints on Microsoft, um, 65% of those were um, reported were actual violations of Microsoft advertising and the majority of them being trademark violations. So a lot of complainers over on Bing, but apparently the complaints were, for the most part, pretty valid. And those 65% um, weren't That's like wrong. two thirds. They're not wrong. You can use a lot of trademark stuff on Microsoft <laughs> advertising. Intent. Oh, I always, yeah, we don't need to get into it, but yeah, you can get away with a lot on Microsoft ads. All right, that does it for paid. Let's fly over to Greg for organic. All right, first up in organic this week, we've got a new feature in Data Studio Report Publishing. So now you can work on a draft while users see, or the viewer can still see the published report, which is awesome because currently, like when you make a change and somebody's got that data studio report, you see what they're working on. Mm -hmm. Now you can have a draft version and push it live. Love that feature. 
Um, I think that's huge. Next up, over from Barry Schwartz on Search Engine Roundtable, a new ranking potential update in algorithm tremors. And of course, I get so excited because I hopped on over. This was March 19th. I got myself some charts. Very <laughs> I'd say the charts were less charty than last week, but still a good number of charts there. Uh, and he had a charts from SEMrush. Oh, sorry. He had charts from... Oh, no. SEMrush is the wrong way to say it. <laughs> <laughs> SEMrush. And Cognitive SEO, SERP Metrics, Mozcast. What was your favorite chart here? Can I go first? Sure. Yeah. Because okay. I don't want Mark it's to steal off the mine. table if you yeah. pick it. Perfect. That's why I want to go first. Uh, SERP metrics. <laughs> why do you? I knew you were going because I like everything else is like here's a bar, here's a bar, here's a bar. Mm-hmm. We have some different colors, and this one is just like hello everyone, look at my trends. It's lovely. Well, I loved it because it was like a serpent. Yeah, it's, green, it's like a, a serpentine. Snake. We love that. Mark, your favorite chart? <sighs> Pick Can I just say one. my least favorite now? Nope, just your favorite. Um, I guess I'll go with SEMrush. It's easy to understand. Um, they actually using the color coding in a very helpful way, um, unlike Cognitive SEO, which just oh, looks like candy. That's my favorite, Cognitive SEO, because the 19th looked like about 20 other dates as well. That's why I liked it. It was funny. So <laughs> check it out if you want to see. And feel free to put an annotation in your Google Analytics for the 19th with a little tremor there. <laughs> All right, and the next film? up from BFF of the show 2019, Glenn Gabe at Glenn Gabe on Twitter. We always got your back. He tweets in the Discover test with hearts as like buttons. I like this a lot, pun intended. Wait, Glenn's coming to our turf? The pun turf? I don't know <laughs> I mean, about this. It's wonderful. I'll give it to him. <laughs> but Discover now has a little heart button there. Instead of, you used to be able to say, show me more, show me less. And you could go through and, and you still can say, do not show me from this source or this topic. But pretty cool. You'll see hearts now to um, mm-hmm. get more likes. And I did like the fact you could say, show me less. I want less of this. I, I wonder yeah. what that's like. Get rid of it. I'm, I'm with you. Mm-hmm. I just missed when like there was something that was different. And like Twitter, we used to have stars and you would favorite things. Wow, mm. I forgot about those days. Mm-hmm. So yeah, let's do something different, people, at Google. What other symbol do you have, though? Like, pitch something Plus better. one. That worked well. <laughs> <laughs> Next up from Barry Schwartz over at Search Engine Roundtable. Google's to move last batch of sites to mobile-first indexing soon. Check it out over in our show notes. Sign up and get all the links to everything we talk about on the show. Next up was a tweet by way of Glenn Gabe from Lizzie Harvey saying video documentation is updated to include video segments. So if you want to use structured data to try to get segments of videos included in the SERPs, there's now a very, very nice um, piece of information over at developers.google. And again, you can find that um, over on marketingclock.com. From Matt Southern at Search Engine Journal, there's a new YouTube Shorts report, and you can see what's inside. And Matt goes on to say, YouTube begins its first ever Shorts report with a mandate. Our goal with the Shorts report is simple. Support you on your creation journey regardless of your starting point. Whether you need to push to make your first video, inspiration for your next short, or help figuring out how to use our creation tool, the Shorts report has you covered. I can't think of anything I'd rather read or listen to less. The shorts report. I think you should go into voice acting. Thanks. Yeah. It, but it's like the web creators, Twitter, seem like the nicest people in the world. I, I don't know. What, I love what they're doing and trying to help. It is the cringiest cringe mm-hmm. over yeah, there. They're definitely and, coming up short. 
party on, Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And from TechCrunch, over on TechCrunch.com, for the moment, YouTube's TikTok rival, YouTube Shorts, arrives in the U.S. We reported on this with the Phantom post that was out last week that was leaked. <laughs> so if you listened last week, you already got this. We already covered it. It was official. Just confirming it. And that's it in Organic Bud. What's happening in social? First up here in social this week, Facebook is testing a new green screen option within the Facebook Stories creative tools. And to quote social media today's lovely Andrew Hutchinson, he says, this could be handy for Facebook Stories creators, to which I say, yeah, if there were any. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) (laughs) But you know what is any or what has any? Clubhouse users. Ah, I love Clubhouse. (laughs) I know you do. I love talking about it. The thing is still invite only. But that exclusive club has now reached almost 13 million downloads. And that number is about a week old now. So we may have even reached that 13 million by now. So check that out. And looking to ride the no. sound. <laughs> <laughs> Were you not invited? Are you bitter? No, PBC Greg tried to get my club. But I don't, I'm not iOS. So I'd have to use, mm-hmm. I'd have to use an iPad. Wow. wow. Do you want to borrow my old iPad? No, I don't. I don't. We talked about this. Caleb and I talked about this today. I, I enjoy what we're doing here. I enjoy this longer lasting. I see the benefit of both. It's just I do not have that in my, my radar for mm-hmm. hopping on, on houses of clubs. Yeah, I just like talking here. Yeah, talk amongst yourselves. All right, well, then you guys won't be interested in this either, but I have a really good pun in the transition, so I'm going to use it. Looking to ride the sound wave. Also, Facebook's audio-only option could be closer than we thought. Take that, Glenn. <laughs> we still got the puns. <laughs> we got it. And But we still got you back, too. Developer and self-proclaimed leaker Alessandro Paluzzi, that is at Alex193A on Twitter, shared an image which shows multiple types of rooms, including audio-only and live audio only so keep an ear out for more as this story develops is there anything worse than a self-proclaimed leaker <laughs> this next story are you ready for it so this is from cnbc and the headline is zuckerberg facebook may actually be in a stronger position after apple's ios 14 privacy changes <laughs> okay but I'm sure that this is great for their stock prices. Thank you. So that is my point. I was really excited when I read that headline. I was like, oh, they have found some great, better solution for no. advertisers. They're going to help us out. No, very, very selfish. Here is a quote from the Zuck. He said, it's possible we may even be in a stronger position if Apple's changes encourage more businesses to conduct more commerce on our platforms by making it harder for them to use their data in order to find the customers that would want to use their products outside of our platforms. Say that five times fast. I will not. It's rude. It's icky. CNBC called it optimistic, but I guess, yeah, only if you are a shareholder. So. This is the 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 IRL version of somebody going on an interview and saying their weaknesses is that they... That they have too many strengths, you yeah. know. Or like I, I try yeah. too hard sometimes. It's gross. No, I mean, this is bad for you. But instead it, of doing yeah. it in an interview, you do it in an article in the New York Times. Yeah. Well, no, they don't care about small business. They care about their own business. But in the Facebook and, group, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> something else Facebook apparently cares about is what people are sharing on their Instagram stories. They are testing new labels for reshared content within stories, including reshared posts and created with reels. I don't know who cares enough for that to be a deterrent, but if you really want to share something, I think you should, and who cares how they label you, but just so you know, it's being tested. Moving on here from friend of the show and power listener, Christoph Trapp, that's at C Trapp on Twitter. 
He says, LinkedIn Live now highlights your videos while live on top of your profile. Cool. And it is cool. He shared a screenshot, which you can catch if you're watching us on YouTube. For those listening and not watching, it literally pulls in the video into that background image on the top of your LinkedIn profile. Oh. So, right? Really cool. That and is cool. I don't know if it's just a still or if it plays the video because it happens while you're live. Did, did you guys see this anywhere? I saw the example, yeah. Does it pull in? But you didn't see it like live on LinkedIn. So no, I saw Christoph Trap going live a few times. He, he's like live all the time. All the time. All he the time. is live. Like mm-hmm. they're synonymous. You want to talk Just about it at the so source. So much content. Yeah. So it's great. It's a really sweet feature. Whether it's a still or a video, I think it's cool either mm-hmm. way. Yeah, I'm just waiting to see someone actually use this. Like, I mean, it's great Christoph is, but I don't have like any connections that go live or use LinkedIn you stories. You get hooked up with Christoph. He's a good follower. <laughs> He's live all the time. Let me, let me connect with him right now. Do it right now. I'm sorry. Thanks, Christoph. Yeah. But yeah, thank you for flagging that. That is really sweet. All right, a couple of new things from TikTok here. First up, business accounts will now be able to take advantage of a handy new feature, which is automated message responses. And I love this. Not only can you add a generic like welcome message, but you can also set up keyword-based replies, which lets you basically create a custom automated reply for a message containing certain words or phrases. No, it should be the CEO of your company, and they're just going like this, point, point, point. And then you get to put in what you're pointing to, and it's like, sorry. For slow shipping or something like that, you know? Is that like a TikTok dance? Yeah, Is like that what you you're just, trying to do it? Yeah, TikTok. So point, 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 point. You don't know TikTok? I don't get your point. <laughs> I can confirm that is very Right? Hard. You just point yeah. at things. You just point at things. Like, you should just be point at things and then put the text on where you're pointing. Yeah. Well, yeah. That'd be better. Work. Hire mm-hmm. me, TikTok. Well, there you go. But if you want this, it's here. It could save folks some time if they're too busy pointing to check their DMs. Also new from the platform is... <laughs> They have launched a new ads library tool, which is pretty legit from a research standpoint. It's called Top Ads, and it lets you search for the best performing campaigns within a specific vertical, region, and even ad type, so you can get inspired to go out there and do better with your own creative. Cool name. (laughs) (laughs) Top I mean... (laughs) I got nothing, Greg. You can just tell you're a TikTok fan over there. (laughs) Hello, fellow kids. Cool name. All right, next up, <laughs> Facebook is reportedly working on a kid's version of Instagram. No, no, no. Listen, Mark, <laughs> Mark Zuckerberg, from somebody that once got it right in February 28th, 2017, do not make a kid's version of Instagram. Do not do it. No. We don't need it. Nobody wants it. Don't do it. Is this them stealing from YouTube kids? I have no idea what this is, and I don't think they do either. It sounds pretty <laughs> preliminary, but I, the kids under 13 are already on Instagram, so hopefully this helps. All right, finally, LinkedIn Tree users can rejoice. There is a new Support Me feature that now allows users to collect payments directly from Linktree. So. Ooh, more like Money Tree, am I right? Money doesn't grow on trees, Greg. You're the new Glenn Gabe with all these jokes. <laughs> we need to retain our crown. <laughs> Amazing. Well, as they put it, share anywhere, sell everywhere. So have at it. Now it's time for this week's WTH. Misguided. You're like, who does that? <laughs> Just get rid of it. I'm over it. Where we rant, rave, and roll our eyes about our trending digital marketing topic. What are we coming to? Honestly. See what had us asking. W-T-H. This week. This week's WTH comes from Matt Stoller at Matthew Stoller on Twitter. 
And normally we say we read all the news so you don't have to. Matthew read everything there is on Google Antitrust and Monopoly and put together this 30-tweet thread so we don't have to read all of this. And thank you, because this was thoroughly entertaining and also very worrisome. So he starts out and says, here's a little story about how my life got turned upside down, Um, how Google search monopoly kills and harms a lot of people. There's no reason for this, except that economists and Obama-era enforcers chose to structure Google to let it do so. Follow along, and you can get the link to the full Twitter thread in our newsletter, or head over to his profile, but subscribe to our newsletter. First up, he points out some of the bad things that Google is doing that makes them irreputable and why other search engines should exist that specialize in certain areas. They are pointing people to sham treatment centers for addiction, um, fake healthcare plans, um, fake Microsoft and Netflix support. They just aren't doing it best in every area, so there needs to be other players. Makes that point. Um, next point, um, in 2007, that's really when the shift happened from Google being a search engine on its own to starting to become a monopoly. And that's when they started favoring their own properties over just what the best result was. And a big example of this is they stopped sending as much traffic to Yelp, even in cases where the Yelp result for that query were better. And considering Yelp as like a niche search engine, it's a search engine for restaurants and other small businesses. And because of these types of moves, it caused rivals to get less funding from venture capitalists, and eventually some of them started to die off. Fast forward to today, there are three antitrust suits, but they were all brought up in 2020, none of them from 2007. Um, And the FTC already knew all of these complaints nine years ago, but there is no action until last year. Um, There's Three really big reasons for this. Um, A, Google was really close with the Obama administration. They had literally weekly meetings with um, the executive branch of government, which is, wow. I hope Um, they aren't like our weekly meetings where it's like, do you have more budget? (laughs) (laughs) Show me the leads. I still don't. I'm sorry. (laughs) Um, Next lawyers and politicians at the time thought that tech monopolization could be good as long as it benefits consumers. So they were like, oh, we can let Google do this as long as it like really benefits people. And lastly, economists at the time who were working for the FTC um, thought it was best to let Google monopolize. And they thought that's what was best for the economy. And The insane thing about this is that those lawyers and politicians and the economists were operating off of some insane assumptions back in 2014 that do not ring true today. Um, So first assumption, consumers will continue to rely on desktop computers to search, not (laughs) smartphones or tablets. What? (laughs) Guys, that rings true today, right? Like, this is all fine. Didn't, yeah. 
Go yeah. on. <laughs> Are you sure you want mm. me to go on? Yeah. Um, well, no, but. <laughs> surveillance advertising, tracking users across the web, have only a limited potential for growth. This next one's a juicy. <laughs> Google is not a monopoly. <laughs> and then he follows up the next tweet. Um, search engine quality isn't primarily driven by data. I guess we did learn that a little bit today. Um, <laughs> Google was not particularly a significant source of traffic for vertical search engines like Yelp. So Yelp just, it's all direct traffic. Google's self-preferencing is good for consumers. Defaults don't matter. And Matt's words, not mine. These are insane. <laughs> I think you added an exclamation point where he put a period, but he should have exclaimed. Sorry for misquoting you. <laughs> and the reason why this is all coming up now is that Biden is taking, this is his most notable shift from Obama in terms of policy. Um, and the quote, Matt, in contrast to Obama, Biden personally seems to dislike economic technocrats, so the people who let this happen in the first place. In the Senate, he called law and economics presumptuous and elitist and Harvardese. That offends me. My favorite, one of my favorite parts of this, he's called big tech CEOs little creeps. And like, have you seen Mark Zuckerberg? <laughs> he is a little creep. <laughs> Can I say that? No. <laughs> no. I realize I'm like, oh, I can't say that. Oh, you that. can say it. You said oh, it. Yeah. It's staying in. You didn't say it. It was written here. You just read it. Not a quote. All right. Now on to our segment. Segment now here this week. And first off, we have a new segment called LOL Plus. And this comes from a tweet from Michael Arrington, uh, who had founded TechCrunch. And instead of the actual four-letter word, I'm going to change it to heck here. So... It's hack, quote tweet. <laughs> Verizon Media Group plans to rebrand most of its media franchises, including TechCrunch, as Yahoo products and group them on Yahoo Plus, a new subscription platform. <laughs> what? That's, this is my new favorite subscription platform. I'm giving this as a gift at any holiday now. Here, I got you at Yahoo Plus. <laughs> I'm disturbed that no one can come up with anything better than Plus. Well, also, it's overused. Yeah, because uh, a great example comparison of people are taking like brands that people are no longer engaging with <laughs> and turn them into a streaming platform with a plus at the end, like Paramount Plus from Viacom. Oh my god! Out of all of your well-known media entities, you're like Paramount. Yeah, like and what I if they just make Kmart Plus and then everyone shops there? <laughs> <laughs> well, it didn't work for Google. Caleb, are you going to subscribe to this? No, I like Yahoo is so old. I use the Yahoo mail still. Oh. No, not really. It's not my primary. <laughs> do you so, remember the Do you want to go back to like many months ago when my DoorDash got hacked? It was yes. actually my Yahoo email that got hacked and that's connected to my DoorDash. More like Yahoo minus. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> From my Sorry, bank account. And that brings us to our real life segment. Straight out of our accounts and into your ear holes. It's time for Working Hard or Hardly Working, where we talk about what's going on in our IRL work, good, bad, or otherwise. This week, I have something that is both working hard and hardly working. And you know, I talk about them a lot, and we talked about them a little bit earlier in the show, HubSpot. And 
I've been experiencing a lot with my clients that HubSpot workflows are delayed up to 40 minutes. And if you listen to the agency scoop, you'll learn that we're HubSpot partners. And because of that, we have direct access to HubSpot support and to amazing dedicated people to help us out. I talked to one of those lovely people that we work with and she said that basically the delay in the workflows is due to them a process where they're improving the HubSpot workflows so they are operating on the same servers as the rest of the platform and it will eventually lead them to improve the tools within workflows and that those delays should be over with and there's more probably good news to come eventually um just call me the leaker <laughs> self-proclaimed <laughs> <laughs> jess what's going on with you mine is just a quickie for anyone that uses slack because I, I think it's been around, but I discovered it for the first time this week. We have channels and that go on you know, way back in history because we have projects that take a long time. And I have discovered that if you go to channel details and hit more, there is a jump to date feature there in Slack. And you can just pick a date on the calendar, make your best guess, and it will take you back to the closest message to that date. And I have found it infinitely helpful versus just scrolling and looking for mm -hmm. stuff. So if you use Slack and you didn't know about that like me, Check it out. It's helpful. What about you, Greg? And for me, if you use Shopify, there's a landing page tool that is an app that you can add on to Shopify that is not bad. I don't think it's on the level of Unbounce. I think we're big Unbounce fans here, but it is called Shogun, and you can just add that right in. And it does make pretty nice options, and it really builds off of the Shopify feature. So it's probably worth a test, see if it's for you. A few limitations, but not bad. So you may want to check that out if you're on Shopify. And now for this week's cool tool. As a reminder, our cool tool segment is not an official endorsement or paid mention. We're simply sharing something we found in our travels that may be of use to our listeners and is really, really cool. This week's cool tool is Keywordit, the Reddit keyword research tool from Higher Visibility. With Keywordit, you simply enter the name of a subreddit or just start to type one and it will suggest some to you. And the tool will then extract keywords from it, spitting out not only the terms, but also their monthly search volume and a context link, which is really handy. It takes you to the Google site search results for that keyword within the subreddit, just in case you need to make sure that the conversation really aligns with your goals and what you're trying to do here. So it's a great tool to add to your keyword research tool belt and it's completely free to use. So you can grab the link from our newsletter and check it out. Now it's time for our must-read marketing article of the week. An article so advanced, so in-depth, so detailed, that we simply cannot cover it in its entirety on today's show. And this week's must-read marketing article of the week comes from G Squared Interactive and Glenn Gabe, 2019 BFF of the show. And he has a post called Filters and Pills in the Google SERPs how the addition of filters, tabs, and dynamic organization in the search results can impact visibility and clicks. And here, you get a lot of facts. And he starts off really well to let people understand what's coming. And he says, I'll cover what the addition of filters and pills in the search results means for your business. During my research, I've seen them show up more and more frequently for certain types of queries. For example, I've seen them show up for how-to queries and for queries that affiliate marketers might be targeting, like a search for best product category or even just the product category in general. Filters and pills don't 
impact all sites and queries. But in my opinion, they're important for all site owners to at least be aware of. So he covers new queries and how it means new opportunities, what dynamic organization and pills look like. If you get just the pills, what it looks like and is an expansion of dynamic organization. And then gap analysis, what you can do if filters or pills are present for your important queries. And these are the things that any technical, any SEO that is high level enterprise should definitely check out. So thank you, Glenn. All right, that does it for today's show. It is now officially not Marketing O'Clock. Remember, you can catch everything from the show by signing up for our newsletter over on marketingoclock.com. While you're there, please be sure to subscribe on your fave podcast player so you don't miss a single episode. And we will see you next week. Thanks for listening to Marketing O'Clock, part of the Search Engine Journal Podcast Network. If you're looking for more information on today's topics, head over to marketingoclock.com for links to all the articles that we covered. And please be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss a single episode. Welcome to this week's episode of Shooting the Hack, where after famous Friday news shows, we don't talk about marketing anymore. We just shoot the hack. And this week, I've got the documents. It's everybody's favorite game. We've got such great comments on how well the trivia is run, specifically. Not a lot on the answers, but about just the process from mm. the past few weeks. So mm. we've got one on Easter. Easter's coming up. Oh. You may see some family members again, like Mark, maybe outside. So we've got trivia, Easter trivia, and we're going to go right into it. So Jess, you're up first. Thank you. The first Easter eggs were dyed what color? This is not to confirm, not a true or false. It's whatever you'd like it to be. Okay. The first Easter eggs were dyed pink. Caleb. Green. Mark. Blue. Incorrect, everybody. Red. Red. Easter eggs. That's weird. That is weird. That's mad weird. You were close. Fast. I bet the red was super diluted though, and it looked pink. Ooh, point for me. No, not a point for you. <laughs> <laughs> Closest not prices right rules. How many jelly beans do Americans consume each Easter? Jess. Individually or as a whole, like all Americans total? Don't tell me to consult parade. <laughs> you can do a phone a friend if you'd like. But but I need more context for the question. Like individual Americans on average, how many beans? Uh, parade.com if you'd like more <laughs> answers. All right. Closest, not price is right rules. Not knowing what that means. I am going to go with 38.5 million. Caleb. 5 million. Mark. 10 billion. Billion? <laughs> Caleb wins. It was 16 million. He was 11 million off. And you were more. Okay, Caleb, you're on the board. You're in the lead. All right. In Switzerland, Mark, what animal delivers Easter eggs to kids? <laughs> a goat. Caleb. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, a hawk and a bird of some sort. Okay. Jess. <laughs> a rabbit. Um, Giving it to Caleb. It's a bird of some sort. A cuckoo. The cuckoo does this. Okay, Caleb. My mind. You, really My mind. you really saved yourself with a bird of some sort. <laughs> <laughs> okay. yeah, shouldn't be allowed. And we're going to finish it off here with two Easter egg museum related questions because it's one of my favorite museums out there. So, Caleb, you're starting here. Where is the largest Easter egg museum in the world? How specific do I have? Talk to, to Parade. <laughs> <laughs> 
country. Don't say Switzerland. Can't be, because they have the delivery all wrong. Germany. Jess. Poland. Mark. Egg Harbor. Somebody got it right on the head. Poland! Yeah! All right. And Jess, because you got it right, you need this to tie Caleb and go into into overtime. So it's you and Caleb here on the final question. I'll watch. If you get closer, you win. This is a little tricky, and this is going to be some outrage, and I know it's going to come in the YouTube comments. How many eggs are in the Easter Egg Museum, not Price is Right rules? In Poland. I'll oh, give the you a Polish hint. one. Okay. Yes. Um, that not, changes things. <laughs> yeah, not the one in Egg Harbor. How many eggs are there? Yes. Caleb. No. Okay. No, yeah, you Jess. Go. Jess, you're up. Go. One. Caleb. 100. This, that... Those are both terrible answers. <laughs> Caleb, you should have said two. And Jess, you should have said something. No, the answer um, is false. Is Mark, Mark is closest <laughs> somehow. Somehow, um, the answer is more than fifteen hundred. That's the answer. Now, heard of something. Well, I mean, Caleb, I'm closer. Is the winner, three to two to zero, and we will see you next week. Thanks for watching this episode of Marketing O'Clock. If you're looking for more, we release new episodes every Friday with all the digital marketing news of the week. You can listen and subscribe wherever you consume your podcasts. Or click to read all the articles from this show or watch the previous episode.